was told that David had gone to Keilah, so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. You know, and, and can you see this? Notice Saul's delusional euphoria. That's what it is. And he even brings God into it. And see, that's what a man in sin does. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he thought God delivered David into his hands. It was true that God led David to Keilah, and it was true that this exposed David to Saul's attack. But it was not true that the Lord had delivered him into Saul's hands, as he said. So we see that Saul wouldn't go to Keilah to save the people against the Philistines, but he would go there to try to save himself against David. Saul was totally motivated by self-interest. Now here's Pastor Rob. But it's very important. Join us Tuesday evening. Join us before services on Sunday morning. We have a prayer room right across the hall here. Join us, even for 15 minutes before the service. Just come in there. I would love for us to have such a a, a great turnout that we would have to go into a bigger room. I really would. I I really want to encourage you to really invest in prayer. Because remember, it's not just you speaking to the Lord. It's you hearing from him and agreeing with him and having his heart meld within your heart, and for you to be talking back. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way conversation. Why? Because it's a relationship, right? We know that. But David here, as he inquires of the Lord, uh, we know that David's seer, meaning he was a, um, a seer, his name was Gad, and we know that Gad was with David at this time, so he's probably inquiring by Gad and um how that's happening, I don't really know. The scripture's silent. You know, he may have had Gad pray, and, and the Lord was speaking through Gad as David was asking the questions, and Gad was giving him the answers. And, and I love the fact that David would be willing to submit to someone when David had a relationship with the Lord as well, but he knew that he trusted this man. You know, David wasn't so high and mighty, even at this, you know, he, was very, he, he wasn't even king yet, although he had been anointed already. He wasn't so high and mighty that he couldn't take direction from another man that God was using. And I, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing about David. And that's a wonderful thing about any servant of God. Any servant of God ought to be able to take that you know, direction from, from, the, from the Lord, if it's the Lord. And obviously David trusted this man. He saw the character of this man. He knew this man's heart. And that's important. 
But David's men, verse 3, said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And then David inquired of the Lord once again. So David already inquired of the Lord. And then his men said, You know what? We are just scared. Honestly, David. You know, we're here in Judah, and Keilah is right on the border of the Philistine territory. We're scared as it is. We don't even want to go over there. So you might want to check with the Lord again. You know what I love about the Lord? is the Lord didn't break through the clouds and say, you guys are a bunch of wimps. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't come in and upbraid them. He didn't yell at them. And the same thing he did with Gideon. Remember back in Judges, when we were in Judges? Did God upbraid Gideon for his his small faith? You know, God was growing it, and that was okay, because he was growing, and God can, you know, a smoking flax he won't quench, you know? And I love that about the Lord. But no, David goes to the Lord again, and the Lord goes, I understand the way the guys are, but you know what? I'm going to tell you the same thing, David. Go, you and your men. You're going to do well. You're going to have victory over these men. And I just love that about the Lord. He, he takes what we have, even our fears. And he's, he's not so uh, stern and so staunch that he's just like you. Either it's my way or the highway all the time. It, it, it is that way, but he's so gentle in the way he gets us into it. His way is always the best. And when I deviate from his plan, I always find myself in a strait. I always find myself in trouble. Always. He's got a better plan than you do, than I do. His plan is good. Seek his face. Seek, find out what the word of God says. Find out the Lord's will for your life. It's because it's different. Every one of us in this room, God has a plan for, and it's going to look a little different. It's not going to violate his word at all, but it's different. And we ought to love and support one another in it, right? Pray, pray for each other about it. Amen? But he is. He's gracious to help us when, we are, when our faith is weak. And he's been that way for me, too. When my faith has been weak, he's always been there to help me. You know, and I felt like just throwing in the towel. Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel? You're just like you've had enough. You're just like... I'm done. And you run, you run to the Lord. I love the, the picture that he gives to it. He says, how I would have gathered you as a hen, you know, putting your feathers over and covering. And, and see, that's the, the, the gentleness of God. Yes, he's a God of war. He's a God of power. But he's also the most gentle God imaginable. And he speaks to us in such loving ways. And I love that about him. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'd like to show you something because as we looked at these two verses, you know, uh, verses 2 through 4, I want to show you something else in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Beginning in verse 17. David, not too long after he assumed the the kingdom from Hebron, you remember in Hebron, he... uh, was crowned king, and it wasn't long after that that the Philistines reared their head again. And notice in verse 17, and based on what we just read, verses 2 through 4, let's read this passage, 17 through 25, and let me know if you see any similarities, and there's a good lesson here for us. It says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold, And the Philistines also went, and they deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, 
Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breach or like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Yes, verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and, and he said, You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come up in front of them uh, of the mulberry trees, and it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Now, what's interesting about this, when you look at verses 2 through 4, what we just read, we see the same thing happening again later on in his life. I think David learned a lesson here, and I think that the lesson is good for us, too. Because he went up against the Philistines, and he inquired of the Lord, Lord, would you, will you deliver them into my hands? And God says, doubtless, I will deliver them. And then, um, and then he does, and he, he, he's victorious. And then they rise up again, and he says, Lord, should I go up against them again? And as soon as the Lord's word says, go out against, I can imagine most of us would be like, okay, I know what, I know what I'm, I know, we did it before. Let's just go do the same thing again. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. We're just going to go, and we're going to do it, right? But God says, you shall not go up. You're going to do it a little bit differently, David. And I love this. Young men at West Point, they learn all the moves from the Bible. (laughs) And this is a good one. You go out the enemy one way, the next time you don't hit him the same way. You do it a different way. And God was using this uh, opportunity to teach David something about warfare, certainly something that he would need as being king of Israel. And so he says, no, don't hit him straight on like you did last time, David. Go around. And then when I give the sound of the mulberry trees and you hear that sound above you, then you go out because I've given them into your hand. And notice it says David did so. He didn't argue with the Lord. But Lord, we mopped the whole thing up the last time. Oh, come on. We can do this. <laughs> Have you ever argued with the Lord about his way? done it before, Lord. You, you did it this way before. You can do it again. God says, yes, I can, and I will, but we're going to do a little variation because, David, there's something that you don't know that I know, and if you just follow my lead, you will be safe and you will have victory. But the moment you think in yourself that you can do this in your own strength, with your own vision and understanding, with your own prowess, David, you're going to be defeated. And so David listens. Notice there was no presumption with David. It seems that, you know, um, based on this holy habit of his to inquire of the Lord, which is a really good thing, in the passage we're looking at tonight, David learns something, and he's going to do it. He's going to continue to inquire of the Lord all of his life. He made his mistakes. We know what they are. But David was a worshiper. David was a prayer warrior. Most of the Psalms are really prayer songs, talking about how great God is. So he was a man of prayer. Again, are you a man, a woman of prayer? Do you want to be more of a man or woman of prayer? I know I do. I know I do. And I pray that you do as well. Verse 5, it says, And David and his men went to Keilah, and they fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, took away their livestock, 
And then in verse 6 it says, Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. Remember, the Philistines, they, they struck the priests. Actually, the priests came from Nob, the city, down to Gibeah. The priests were killed. One of the guys stayed behind. He escaped because I, I think in their heart they're thinking, you know, just in case. And we've heard this Saul is kind of like he's watching too much television, playing too many video games. There's something with this guy. He's not quite, doesn't have his mind on. Why don't one of us stay behind? So he does. He does. He stays behind. Abiathar. And it was told, David, verse 7, it was told that David had gone to Keilah, so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. You know, and, and can you see this? Notice Saul's delusional euphoria. That's what it is. And he even brings God into it. And see, that's what a man in sin does. A man who's compromised, he, he, he doesn't just count on his own things that he does. No, he likes to bring in God into it. Well, God told me to do this. God, you know, God, thank you, God, for delivering David. God's like, uh, um, excuse me, Saul, are you aware of the prophecies in the Old Testament about David and about my son coming through David? Do you understand any of that? Do you realize how much on is, is on the line right now with David? Seriously, there's so many prophecies in the Bible that if Saul kills David... He will make God a liar, and all the scriptures will be null and void, and then we might as well just go home, right? Hmm. And then Saul has the, the gall to say, God has delivered me into my hand. He's delivered David into my hand. And Saul thought that God was giving him a victory over David, but look down in verse 14. Look down in verse 14. What does it say? But God did not deliver him into his hand. So Saul is... In a world of his own, which is not uncommon for someone who is ill mentally and spiritually, they see everyone as their enemy. You remember in John chapter 16, as Jesus was speaking to his disciples on that last supper in the upper room, what did he say to them? He said, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. <laughs> That's really what Saul is thinking here. God's given me this victory. And people love to bring in God into their evil plans and evil schemes. But the same spirit... The same spirit of Antichrist was working in the heart of Saul. Same spirit. Verse 8, Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And so now Abiathar has this, this ephod. And we believe that David inquired uh, of the Lord, probably by Urim and Thummim. Say that really fast three times. And uh, make sure you're alone when you do it, because everyone will think you're crazy. But Urim and Thummim, this was, uh, these were two rocks that well, they, we believe was in the, in the pouch or in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the ephod that the high priest would wear. The, the ephod was a vestment worn by the high priest. It was made of fine linen. It consisted of two pieces which hung from the neck and covered both the neck and the front. 
above the tunic and the outer garment, and two pieces were joined together over the shoulders. So it was sort of like a, a halter kind of thing that would, two pieces, on the, one on the front, the other, and then two straps that would hold it. And then on the front would be a breastplate with the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. And then inside the pouch would be this Urim and Thummim. And these are um, the things that often men and um, kings would divine from. They would discern God's heart by. They would ask a question of the Lord, and the high priest would put his hand in, these, in his pocket and pull out one of these stones. And if it was a yes answer, it would be a white stone. If it was a, a black stone, it would be an, an answer of no. And so sometimes they would, they would do that. And remember, the lot is cast in a lap, but the Lord is um, the one who puts that all together, right? He's able to, to do that. And so, so David knew that Saul had plotted evil against him, verse 9, and he said to Abiathar, bring the, uh, the ephod here. And again, um, just notice the dependence that David had upon the Lord and not on his own wisdom. Again, a great lesson for us to learn here. In fact, if I could put a title on tonight's message, this passage that we're looking at, it would be Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, because that's exactly what David did. You know this passage very well in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. In Psalm 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Where is your trust tonight? Are are we really trusting in the Lord? Are we trusting in him? Am I trusting in the Lord? We know he's trustworthy. Many of of us in this room, perhaps all of us, have been in situations where where we've had to trust the Lord. We've had nowhere to go, and the Lord was the one that got you out of the mess, got you out of the pickle that you were in. I can attest to that. And sometimes, even when I wasn't trusting in him, God was working, unbeknownst to me, behind the scenes, in his mercy. And then later on, I would realize, God, you really were there for me. And he's like, Rob, I've I've been there when you were clueless in Seattle. (laughs) I was there for you before you even knew I was even aware of any, before you even knew who I was. I was watching out for you. I was taking note. And I love that. He's like that with all of us. Have you ever looked back on your life and, and seen things and, and said, you know what, Lord, even when I was in my darkness, I didn't even know you. I didn't care to know you. I was very happy and very content in my darkness and my sin. And you were looking out for me. Lord, remember that night that I was parting with that group and many of them were doing these certain things and I could have done that. And one of them died that night because they got a hot shot. Remember that, Lord? And he's like, yeah, remember how I, gave you, I, I, I caused you to be sick to your stomach and you had to leave before you partook of that? That was me. (laughs) That was me. Remember this morning when you were brushing your teeth and you dropped your toothbrush? Those four seconds that it cost you saved you from going through an intersection and a car going through. And Rob, you had no idea that I bumped that toothbrush out of your hand (laughs) because I knew what was happening that day. You had no idea. I've been looking out for you all your life. That's the kind of stuff that brings you to your knees, isn't it? When you think, are you really that good? 
And he says, yeah, I'm even better than that. <laughs> I'm so much better than that. So good. Like the song we sing tonight, you are so good to me, right? In Isaiah 31, verse 1, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But you do not look upon the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. And there's the exhortation, seek the Lord, trust in him. Don't trust in all the accoutrements of our culture and our society. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting in your 401k? Are you trusting in your own financial provision, your credit score, your nest egg, your credit cards? People trust in those things. And we live in a country where we have access to those financial resources. We have to be really careful. And isn't it true that the older we get, the more life experience that we have, we tend to rely more on our life experience than on the Lord? Hopefully that's not true. But we can tend to increase in that rather than decrease, like John the Baptist. He said, I must, in, I must decrease and the Lord must increase. But are we increasing in our own wisdom and our own experience? Well, done that before, done that before. David could have said, Lord, we've done this before. You know, they, they fall for the same trick. We don't need to do anything different. He's like, no, David, you're not going to go up. I want you to go around behind, and I want you to wait. I want you to wait on me. And then when, I, when you hear that sound, then you go out, and then you'll have the victory. But the older we get, if we're not careful, folks, we can rely on our past experiences. And perhaps that's why the church is struggling. And even church attendance in America is waning. I don't know if you knew that. I saw a statistic the other day. And every decade, the church attendance is going down and down and down. It's, it's true. People are getting more focused on other things. They're, 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 they're relying more on, their, on themselves. They're no longer reading the Bible. They're no longer praying. They're no longer serving the Lord. They're just happy and, and going to work and making money and then moving to Florida when they get old to play golf and to go out on the boat, to go out on the yacht. To go to Boca Grande and go tarpon fishing. You know, and then the world, they see us, the church, and they say, you know, we see you guys doing the same thing. What's the use? And that really hurts, doesn't it? But it's easy. We can develop that attitude of, I've been around the block long enough. And most of us, as you get older, you can say that. I've been around the block a few times, seen this before, been there, done that. I've even got the T-shirt to prove it. And you rely more on your, your experience. And what a shame it is to see older people still operating in that. Old saints. No faith anymore. They're just relying on their old ways. Not really surrendered to the Lord anymore. Been there, done that. We can do it this way. And no longer really resting in his grace And may God help you if you get away with that, getting away with your own wisdom and maybe even being uh, uh, things going fairly decent as a result of that. May God help you if that's the case. Because the more that that happens, do you understand? We get more entrenched. We get more set set in our ways. We get hardened. Our heart gets hard. And maybe as a Christian, maybe that's not you tonight. It could be. I know people like that. 
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.